Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Overdressed and Underqualified. I am one of your co-hosts, Danny Rojek, along with Naomi Gulmer, uh, and we are a podcast for young professionals who are dealing with the trials and tribulations of life without training wheels. Naomi, how are you this evening? I am doing well. How about you? Good. It was a long day at work, I'm going to be honest. It's like, you ever have those days where it just really grinds, grinds you down? It's just one mm-hmm. of them. Lots of meetings, lots of slack messages but you know i love what i do and i love the team i work for at least so you get through it but yeah all my charms a little bit less today just because you know it's a little bit slower off the draw um how's i haven't talked to you in like a month how's work been with you how have things been it's been good it's been really busy um i talked about it in the last episode but i started a new job so um i've just been learning a lot and it's been about two months now so i'm kind of a little bit more established but i'm definitely still learning the ropes so i feel you and the fact that it's been really busy and just a lot of meetings because i feel like sometimes that's all i do with the learning aspect but it's been really fun and i'm having a great time getting to know my coworkers and just working on a new team and um, getting my hands in some projects so it's been really fun, but I agree. It's been very busy lately. Do you feel like, and I'm sure our listening audience will agree with this metaphor, and I think I heard it like a hundred times when I started at Supply Kick, the whole drinking from a fire hose. Have you ever heard that expression? You probably get it said to you. Like, I mean, you still drinking from the fire hose? And like, you're like, ha, 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 yeah. Like, what else can I do? Are we still drinking from a fire hose? Are we a little bit swimming in our own pool now? What's going on? I would say most days it does feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. However, I feel like I'm starting to get a little more water and, you know, things are starting to get a little bit easier and a little less like, you know, in your face. But yeah, I think we're still kind of in the fire hose territory, but hopefully by month three, we're getting out of that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, that's, I totally feel that. And so hopefully you do get less fire hose days. Still important. Still good to have, as they say. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is our second official episode. It's going to be a little choppy. I'm just, it's, it's not Naomi. It's definitely me. Um, so, shout out to Benji, uh, our podcast editor, and all the great work he does trying to make my my voice sound coherent. Um, but I thought we'd get started with a new segment that we'd like to do weekly. Um, we are overdressed and definitely underqualified. So I thought we'd talk about our best outfit since the last time I saw you virtually. Uh, it's also just because I wanted to brag uh, about how cool I dress and our listening audience will never know. So what a shame. Um, but I just the other night went to Raskeller. For those of you who don't know, it's like a Hofbrauhaus House outdoor music venue in downtown Indy. And met up with several or fellows and coworkers and just rolled up in a classic summer fit, which is the um, boat shoes had a good pair of like khaki shorts. And then the, um, the short sleeve old Navy style button down. That's like a really aggressive pattern, which is like, you know, just what a summer fit. And I showed up and like out of the 20 people that were there that I knew, like five other people had almost the same outfit. So we took a great pick. It was awesome. But like, I was like, you know, it's like the start of summer, you know what I mean? Like you're really seeing it out there and like, I'm just excited for the weather to change and COVID to settle and, you know, things to be a little bit more fun. Naomi, what about you? What are we rocking? Any good fits? Yeah. Well, first of all, that sounds like a really good time and sounds super fun. And I do have to say your outfit sounds like something I've seen about every single guy wears. So (laughs) I think you're very fashionable and you're very on trend. So I love that fit. Sounds like a great one. Mine, however, is a little bit different. Some might say polar opposite in the sense that I have been rocking the sweatpants now, which I think a lot of people have been rocking the sweatpants for about a year and a half or so. Yeah, I've been living in my sweatpants. I've been enjoying it because I know that it's going to come to an end. Might have to swap them out for some like shorts here in the next couple months, hopefully, a couple weeks, hopefully not months. I don't know. We'll see what I am up to next. Yeah, I've been living in the sweats and loving every minute of it. No, I think think that sounds incredible. Um, We talked about this earlier when we prepped this podcast, but I didn't own a lot of sweats. Like I didn't really, I had like a couple basketball shorts and like t-shirts I would wear to the gym, but like not really like lounge around the house clothes. And like, that's what COVID has helped me. I own several pairs of sweatpants now, 
hoodie, my hoodie game has stepped way up. My, I'm like really into crew neck sweaters again. So I totally, I totally uh, understand you. Anything cool, anything particular about any like particular out sweats outfit you're really about or? Actually, yes. So I kind of rediscovered, and this is a throwback, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to relate to this because I had no clue, but you know who's making a comeback is Hollister. And I had no clue. I've not been on Hollister's website in about probably 10 years. And I went on there just because I got an Instagram ad and I fell for it. But I went on there and I was just looking around and I'm like, oh my gosh, Hollister's clothes are actually very cute and affordable. And so I went and got myself a whole new sweatpant wardrobe from Hollister. And they're great. They're very soft, very stretchy, fit me wonderfully. So I don't know if anyone else has checked out Hollister recently, but maybe don't sleep on them. Wow. That's... um. Well, first of all, thank you, Hollister, our sponsor of the week. Um, that just got me very triggered um, back to my middle school days. And you said the word Hollister, and I pictured, listening on it, close your eyes and picture this, a young middle school boy that's very sweaty, that's built like a bowling ball, that wore a bright blue Hollister with the little moose, right? Hollister's the moose, right? It was like American Eagle and Hollister. Super tight blue shirt for photo day regrets it every moment of his life afterwards so thank you for bringing up that i'm glad hollister's making a comeback maybe now i can actually have some style when i wear it but i own one hollister shirt and i looked so bad in it but i thought i looked so cool i do if it, if it makes you feel any better i didn't own any hollister and i was so uncool because i didn't own any so you probably at least look cooler than i did in your blue hollister shirt maybe you can go get yourself a new one <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's the season of the comeback and, and hot boy summer, whatever we need to call it. But yes, it was uh it was a rough middle school's rough. Middle school's rough for everybody. Maybe we'll do an episode on that. Maybe that'll be like a, a good April Fool's episode. Um all right, well that was great. We'll do more of those, ladies and gentlemen, so you can get a better sense of our style here at Overdressed and Underqualified. Um let's get down to business. Naomi, do you wanna kick it off? Yeah, absolutely. So we're so excited to be here today because Danny and I are officially riding solo on Overdressed and Underqualified. And we're really excited to be taking over as hosts um, for the podcast. We hope you enjoyed our last episode. It was really fun, um, you know, recording with the past hosts. Now I can say that since we are the current hosts. Um, and we're really excited to kind of be jumping into this episode. So for today's episode, we wanted to give you kind of a rundown about what our goals are for the podcast. So last week, we talked about kind of seasons of change and um, how what we're going through personally and how things are changing for us. And so this week, we really wanted to dive in and what our goals are for the podcast, um, kind of how we see things shaping up for this season and um, just what you can expect from us and from um, the podcast and from our guests. So Danny, do you want to take it away and tell them how we're transforming overdressed and underqualified? Yeah, thank you. So I'm really excited to talk about this week's subject, as you mentioned. I think goal setting and setting expectation is is hugely important and really gets talked about a lot, but not in a really honest way. So I'm excited to get into it. But we really wanted to start with what we see for overdressed and underqualified. So clearly, if you haven't noticed yet, um, we want to implement a way more casual discussion-based approach. I think that's the whole motto and theme of overdressed and underqualified is we're underqualified. We don't really know how to host a podcast, uh, but we're going to do it in our way. And we're going to give you that special Naomi Danny brand of content to hopefully just help you out in life and, and you know, young adulthood. To go and build off of that um, kind of casual discussion, we want to talk about topics that are relevant to you and us, because I key, I need a lot of help in these areas too. That's like finding a mentor, taking PTO, how to ask for that, first job stuff, so, you know, setting expectations, um, you know, creating dialogue with your managers that's both casual and formal, salary negotiation, all that kind of stuff. You know, Naomi and I are lucky enough to be a part of a <clears throat> fellowship of postgraduates called OR Fellowship. Um, that has the ability to give us tools to kind of deal with that. And so we want this podcast to be a reflection of that uh, and spread that kind of help and outlook to the masses, um, a.k.a. my mom, who's definitely listening right now. Thank you, Lorraine. We uh, just want to have fun and help build kind of value in a very entertaining fashion and just, you know, 
smooth out that transition that we all have when life rips off the trading wheels and then pushes you into deciding which healthcare plan is the best for you. Lord have mercy. I called both of my parents twice to pick one of those. Um, so we'll definitely do an episode on that. I'm going to write that down. So Naomi, do you want to talk a little bit more about pure expectations on the podcast? Yeah, definitely. So you can definitely expect new episodes from us every single month about a topic that will matter to you in some way, shape, or form. So you're going to hear from industry experts, mid-level professionals, and we definitely want to hit entry-level positions because I think that that will be really helpful to hear from um, just to kind of see what to expect if you're kind of in that um college age group to see what to expect in your first job. And if you're in your first job, hearing from someone that you can relate to will be really helpful. You're going to hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to first job stuff. And we want to have just a real open conversation about how to get through tough situations. Um, I'm sure in our first year in our jobs, we have both been through some tough situations and had to deal with some things. And any knowledge and wisdom that we can pass on along with our guests, we definitely want to do. And we want you to have a great time while listening to us. So leave feedback, suggestions, and ideas on topics that you want us to talk about. And we will be happy to cover those topics as well. So Danny, do you want to talk to us about some goal setting tips? Yeah, thank you. I'm going to say that a lot. Uh, yeah, so I think we've mentioned it briefly again. We we talked about change, dealing with change. It was a great segue bit. Um, and I think the easiest way to start this uh, this season of podcast, however you want to call it, is with goal setting because I think it's a, it's a big key. Um, and, you know, Naomi and I were doing our prep for this podcast and we were talking about how, like, yeah, like it's helpful to read that textbook entry or like look at that Bud, BuzzFeed article or listen to that TED talk on goal setting. And then you get there and you're like, so bad at it. I'm so bad at goal setting. Most of my goals consist of like, um, just survive or like get settled. I think that was my goal for about four months in India. And I was like, well, now I'm settled. So like, how on earth do I like think bigger and dream bigger um, and so I think we wanted to talk about really some methods or some things we've noticed in the workplace or just, you know, how to really center yourself when approaching goal setting. Um, and so we're going to pull out a classic. I think it's the best way to do this. We're going to talk about the SMART method. Um, I would quote a source here, but honestly, it's been republished and reposted about 150 times. So I apologize. I really couldn't find one. I believed. Um, but if you don't know what the SMART method is, we went to very different um, high schools, but it's every guidance counselor's favorite tool, and it's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely goals. Um, the five metrics you really have to consider when you goal set. And that all sounds great. Um, I have yet to meet a person who just like reads that and they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And we move forward on it. Um, and so, you know, to kind of sit and percolate on and kind of talk about for this episode, we really wanted to get into the SMART method and just kind of share our woes and ways we kind of approach these different metrics. Talking about specific. Um, so Naomi, any thoughts on specific? Defined as well-defined, clear, unambiguous. So everything I fear in life. What do we got? Any, any tips, any struggles? How do you handle this one? Yeah, I also struggle with setting the specific goals because it is super easy to just set a very general goal of, like you said, get settled or work out or um, get this done. Like there's, it's very easy to just set a very general goal. I have noticed that I've gotten a little bit better at this. And actually I never, ever, ever do new year's resolutions. Never have. I always thought they were stupid, but this year I decided to do new year's intentions, which I feel like that Ooh. word has been used a lot this past year, just with a lot of people like be intentional and that sort of thing. But I really resonated with it because um, I wanted my goals and my resolutions, if you will, to get me to a specific spot in my life. And so um, I sort of practiced that with my New Year's intentions. And um, I was able to kind of get a better handle on that and setting like, okay, this is actually what I want to accomplish. And then, you know, the measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely are kind of how you're going to get to that specific goal. I feel like they all, you know, go together. I definitely think that that one is a big struggle of mine, but it's something that I'm working on. What about you, Danny? Sure. Um, well, let me just recap that really quick and, and put it 
what I'm picking up. So when it comes to specific, which is actually one I don't, and I'll get into my own method with specific. I don't really struggle with this one. Others, I definitely struggle with. So you're a like draw the X on the map, then draw the map first kind of person of like, it's impossible to set goals dreaming for something until you have that destination. Is that what we're getting at? Yeah, actually, I would say that's super accurate. Like I can't, I can't figure out where I'm going until I see what I want at the end. That's a very, that's a very accurate um, assumption of me. Yeah. So it's like a work your way backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I think that's super important. I, I don't, that's not a way I tackle specific, but it is an interesting way to tackle specific. Um, for me, I think I, and we'll talk about this even later in the podcast, uh, a little foreshadowing. I We've talked a lot about the rock um, method when we were doing our prep, which is something I found when I came to Supply Kick. But it's to very summarize it, it's taking big goals and breaking them up into smaller goals and slowly achieving your end result. Um, well, not slowly, but taking it piece by piece. Um, and so that's how I kind of tackle specific is if I feel like, like let's say, on your new year's resolution tracker. What did you call it? Insight? Intentions. Intention. I do like that. Um, it's like weight loss, right? That's like everybody's. I like to break that up into, well, weight loss comes in many forms, right? It's like increased activity. It's eating better. It's having better habits, right? And breaking up that larger goal and doing those smaller tasks. So instead of having one large goal of, you know, being better um, and eating better and being healthier. I have three goals of, you know, run two miles a day and don't eat any carbs. And um, this is a bad example to use because I don't really do healthy stuff. Sleep 10 hours a night, that kind of thing. And like, that's how I tackle specific and helps me, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, measurable as well, because I think that's a one and two. But I do like how you define your finish line before you run the race. because I, I, I do connect with that. I don't think I, I do that. I think I say, oh, I want to be healthier, but what's the end result? Like, do I want to lose 50 pounds? Mm-hmm. Do I want to run a marathon? I don't think people look that far ahead when you're goal planning, but I also feel like you can get lost in that, you know? A hundred percent. It's not a perfect method. That's for sure. And I've definitely noticed that because sometimes you just get like overwhelmed with like, how am I even going to accomplish this? And you don't have any direction and you don't know where to start. I think that's the flaw for sure in the looking at the main goal first plan. True. and But that's where the other parts of SMART really, I think, come into play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the measurable, the achievable, the realistic, timely, all of that. But I, I do connect with that. Anything in work that you've noticed in that first job, I think for me, it was learning names. Like I... I think the goal in general was like incorporate yourself in the culture. Uh, And then I broke it up into, you know, to go back to my way to do it. It's like, I want to learn everyone's name. I want to truly understand what they do at the company. And then I want to be a part of something beyond like what I work on or like what my team does. Um, So like that was my, that's an example of a goal and how I broke it up. Anything in your finish line first approach? Trademark. I like that. I like that example of learning the names. I feel like mine's very similar because I kind of want to know what everyone does and what everyone contributes at the company. So that way it helps me know who to go to. And then also I kind of know how the business works. So there's kind of twofold there, but, um, along with that goes with learning names and I'm so bad at remembering names and I feel like being virtual has made it worse because everyone's name is always on the screen so I haven't had to memorize anybody's name and then when I you know see them in person or whatever sometimes I have a little bit of a brain fart and I have to really think like okay what does your zoom say like it's really (laughs) bad I have had that happen to me a couple times so Maybe that should be my new specific goal is learn everyone's name. See, I disagree with the fact that um, virtual COVID times have made learning names more difficult because now I have a catalog of names and photos that they go with. Like I can go into a Slack channel and like for 80% of the people like put a name to a face, which has always been like a big struggle for me because like I'm very good with faces, but like. I'm so bad with names. It's awful. But like, it was like Quizlet every time of like people would pop on and like cover up my screen and be like, okay, like 
Amy, Amy, Amy. Like, who's Amy? Oh, my direct manager. Duh, Danny, you should have known that one. But at least there's like a name to face constant thing. So I think it's made things easier for me. But, you know, people take it in their own strides. Um, but yeah, I feel that. <clears throat> so let's move on to working down the SMART method into M, measurable. Um, I feel like uh, measurable is one I kind of struggle with um, just personally, because I think for a lot of the stuff I like to work on, I'm very like EQ, people driven, relationship driven. And it's so hard. And my goals kind of follow that. It's so hard for me to like make things measurable. You know, uh, I think like the that's again, like getting to know people boil down into learn everyone's name and learn what they do like that helps. But it's really hard for me sometimes to make those connections between emotional and like total strategy, whatever you want to call it, goals and make it quantifiable. But it's so important to keep your, yourself on track. Like, I don't know if that's something you notice too. Like if they're not measurable, all of my goals get like tossed by the wayside. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think when you don't have a way to measure it and when you can't see progress, then, and I think that's why people have such a big issue with um, New Year's resolutions and stuff because they don't measure them and they just see no progress. So they give up. And I think that's why I've always had an issue with them too. But what I like to do is um, every week I have, or yeah, every week and every month I have sort of a checklist of like, what do I want to accomplish this week? And it's usually the same because I did set my New Year's intentions and I wrote them all down. And so every week and every month, I kind of address them and I check them off and I see if I accomplish them. So like, for example, I have like save a certain amount of money. I have um, read one book every month. I have take a course every month. And then I have a fun one of like finding a new TV show every month. That is sort of my like checklist. And I gave myself a fun one because like, it's kind of boring when you're like, I'm going to take a course and I'm going to read a book and all these other things. So I gave myself a fun one, but I kind of take progress checks on how I'm doing and if I achieve them or not every single month. And I feel like that is how I'm ultimately going to accomplish kind of the big year long goal. So I guess in this case, I do have a map to get to the, to get to the big yeah, there you go. goal. So um, in this case I do, but measurable, I agree. It's something that most people, if they do not set it, they will not achieve the goal. I think that's the big one that is when you're missing it, it just won't happen. Yeah. I do think, it, you know, it's just, it's just tough to translate things that are really measurable, but it's something you almost have to force yourself to do, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense. And like, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to think of a metaphor to help people visualize. I really can't. Even if it doesn't really make sense or it's only loosely related to what you're trying to get at, you just need a metric to really watch yourself. And I like what you said. I think that's why people bail on New Year's resolutions because it's it's vague and it's like, I want to be better. Well, how do you, you can't measure that. If it's do an act for the common good and do one a day, that's different. That's something that you can go home to your checklist and check off mm -hmm. and really keep yourself on track, which is something I learned. So this will segue, look how smooth this segue is going. Not unless you say that out loud, Danny, good job. Um, achievable. I think this is huge. I love this and I love this kind of mindset. So when I was in high school, I did a lot of extracurricular activities. I was like, band, choir, pep band, jazz band, speech and debate, musical theater, men's choir, like select choir, all that kind of stuff, dance, everything, big arts kid. Um, but I used to get constantly stressed out and used to run around and like, I'm not very good at keeping myself on track or like doing things that are achievable or monitoring things. And so my mother, the saint she is like taught me this method of anytime you're really super stressed out, I want you to write down everything you think you have to do like on a big sheet of paper. And I did this all through college. It's like, okay, I want to make my bed. I want to do laundry. I have to study for this test. I have a homework assignment, right? And the key to this is write down it like you've already started, like you haven't already started your day. So anything you've already done as well. Um, and then write down how much time it takes you to do that task, which is measurable. And then when it needs to be done by absolute absolute deadline and then you can reorder things and shift things that i think comes into realistic so we can come back to it but the thing that i liked about achievable sorry now i'm rambling on is the right things like you've already you haven't already done them and the sensation of just crossing something off your list and acknowledging that you've you know woke up and you made your bed and you 
um, you know, took a shower and stuff like that. That's just so like, hey, you know what? You did do stuff today and your day wasn't a waste because I feel like people really bog themselves down with that. And then they start doing things like I've started cleaning my like desk and then I'll clean my living room and then I'll end up cleaning my whole apartment because you're like rolling on that ball. I feel like that's where achievable really comes into play is like pat yourself on the back more. People don't do that. Sorry, that was a long ramble. Um, No, I love that tangent because I feel like you just gave some people literally the keys to success when it comes to prioritizing their tasks because I am a big checklist girl. Big checklist girl. I love a checklist. Obviously, I have my New Year's checklist. I check it every single month, every week. So I feel like I need to implement that. And I feel like it would be very handy for work because sometimes it's very easy to get just lost in all the list of tasks that you need to do. And, you know, everyone gets stressed when they see the long list of everything they need to get done and the short amount of time that they have to do it. So I feel like that's a great way to prioritize. So appreciate the tangent. I feel like that's very helpful for my um, achievable, I feel like I look at it a different way just because I look at it as like, can I do it? Can I not do it? And I'm one of those people that I'm really not afraid of failure. And I feel like there's a lot who are afraid and then there's a lot who aren't. I'm not afraid of failure in the sense of like, I like am scared. I'm not afraid of failure because I just don't have a problem with saying like, I couldn't do it. I like don't have the capability. I don't know how, like, I'm just not one of those people who's like terrified to fail. I, um, I know there are people who are afraid of failure because it, it, they equate that to like their success, but I don't. However, like, I do think that sometimes it's a bad thing because I'm like, oh, if I like, um, for a big, big goal, if I'm like, oh, if I can't do that, I'll procrastinate it. I feel like I'm not a huge procrastinator, but if it's a big goal, I will procrastinate starting because I can see how big it is, but I don't want to say like, uh, like I don't want to toss it away and say, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it, but I'm definitely not afraid to set those boundaries and expectations for myself. Like this is a huge goal. You're not capable of completing that right now, but like do some steps, take some steps to be able to do that. So, um, you know, if I have this, I definitely don't set super unrealistic goals for myself to begin with, but if I do set a larger one, um, I definitely have to go about it in a different way to solve it because otherwise I will just get so, um, stressed out about it and I'll just procrastinate and I don't work well under pressure. So (laughs) it's never a good thing, but I definitely feel like achievable is one that I have gotten really good at. Um, one of the few, I would say. Yeah, I I like that. I like the way you talk about having self-honesty, because I think especially where we are in our lives, it's like, I don't have all the time in the world. I don't want to spend all of the free time I have worrying about something or pushing myself to do something um, that just isn't going to happen. I was sitting on a meeting in one of my co-ops when I was in college, and I won't say the company or the client, but it was basically this client had came to the company and said, hey, I want to do 100 units a day of this product. Um, And that was so far outside the norm. I think they typically sold five a day or 10 a day. Right. And, and I remember sitting in on a meeting and like, I'm just a little lonely co-op intern boy, like taking notes and like, they were debating about how to do this. And like, I remember like the direct manager just stood up and was like, can we do this? Let's not talk about how we're going to do it. Can we do that? Is there anything historically, is there any reasoning is what is his reasoning for wanting this? Can we do this? And like the room got silent and we thought about it. And like the manager who had brought this to the table was like, I don't really think so. And then they were like, great, now it's time to reset expectations. And how do we do that? Because I think, you know, especially when it's, you're new at a job and you don't have the voice to speak up yet. It's like, you really need to think about, is it, is this worth my time? It's like, you know, yeah, you could technically dig through the Great Wall of China with a spoon, but it's going to take you so long and it's barely achievable. Is your time better spent somewhere else? And I think that's what, especially like people in that young professional role don't think about. It's like, that's the beauty of achievable. Um, it's like, you can dream big, but like, what's the value to your dream versus your time? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love that. Great, great analogies as usual. Sweet spot. Um, okay. Boom. You know what that's perfect for? Realistic. The next letter in SMART. We're really flowing through these, you know? 
Um, I think that goes hand in hand, right? Achievable, realistic, and they're so very similar, right? And they do blend together and get muddy and people kind of rope these together, right? Achievable is, in my mind, I I split it up as achievable is yes or no. Will we be able to do it? Yes, you can get through the Great Wall of China. It is technically achievable to do that with a spoon. Um, It'd suck, but it's achievable, right? You can't jump to the moon. That's not achievable. Realistic is the second check in my mind of like, okay, yes, I can get through the Great Wall of China with a spoon. Is is it impactful? Is it worth my time? Is it relevant to me? That's what I think about. And an issue I see, you know, going back to specific and this thing we'll talk about later about rock setting, when you take big tasks and break them apart, you find a lot of rocks that are not realistic. Part of this equation, but unnecessary or truly won't make the impact you think they will. And so you really have to look at it when you break it up under those, you know, under those rocks, under the microscope. Like when I write those lists out, it's like, do I actually, do I absolutely need to do this right now? Is it related and something I want to do, but is it truly realistic for what I'm trying to get done and relevant and worth my time at this moment? Or why would I be better suited to do it later? And so that's, a huge self-check I have when it comes to the art and realistic is like, I do throw a lot of extra sprinkle components in there that it's like, well, that's not really realistic to what we're doing. I know you want to do that. I know it's relevant in some way, but it's just not purely what you need to be focusing on right now. And it's something as a very type seven extrovert, like I always catch myself doing, it's like adding unrealistic things to like piggyback on goals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you set the stage for realistic really well because I agree, achievable and realistic in a lot of cases just get combined, but I do think they are separate and they're obviously separate for a reason because um, like you said, achievable is very much cut and dry. Can you do it? Can you not do it? And realistic is a little bit more in depth. And I like the way you worded it on like, is it worth my time? Because I think that I have a hard time kind of determining like, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Like, should I take this extra step? Should I like aim for this goal or should I not? And I feel like a lot of people probably struggle with the realistic thing because people do want to set big goals. Like you're always told like dream big. And, you know, I think that a lot of times people can get lost in the sense of like, is this even realistic for me to be trying to accomplish? And how do you set more realistic goals that you can accomplish? Um, And I think that also sometimes setting more realistic goals before you try to accomplish that huge goal just helps you feel that sense of accomplishment that will motivate you to work towards your larger goal. And I feel like I do that for myself a lot. So I just give myself like a little win that makes me want to like keep going and keep trying. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I listened to a TED Talk about a, I think it was either a TED Talk or a commencement thing, and it was some general that had was in some academy, and he talked about how every day he makes all of his cadets make their bed. Like, I'm sure they do this in every military branch, but he talked about the science behind it and, like, the emotion behind it is, like, you made your bed. You got up and you did something. And even if you do nothing for the rest of the day and go to sleep at night, you've at least achieved something in the day and it was realistic, and it was worth it, and it was specific, and you can measure it, and all that other junk, but really, like, hey, you did something today, good job. I, I do not, I'm a wholehearted believer that people do not give themselves enough credit for the little wins, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you can't make it to the Super Bowl unless you win some games, as small or as easy as they were, you know, a win is a win is a win, that kind of mentality of, like, pat yourself on the back. So, you know, Good job, Danny. I took my dog out this morning. Do that or poop on my carpet. But good job, Danny. Like a win is a win. So last but not least, timely with a you know this article I'm reading off of with a clearly defined timeline, including starting date and target date. The purpose is to create urgency. Duh. Um, but I think timely is important because I think when you leave things to be ambiguous you procrastinate. I procrastinate. I've accepted in my life that I just procrastinate. Naomi, you may not work well under pressure. I kind of do, but I just, I need the hard deadlines in my life. Otherwise everything will get pushed off. And so Brian Neely, who's the head of a a consulting group called Blind Zebra, who I get to go and be a part of. Shout out Blind Zebra. Love you guys. Probably don't listen to this, but you're great. Talks about setting hard deadlines with clients and always putting yourself on, have an end date, 
at, at the very least, get an end date out of them so that you can keep yourself accountable. Like timeliness and accountability go hand in hand. And so like, I really think this is something people don't think about, especially in that New Year's Eve goal realm. How do you feel about it, Naomi? Are you good with timely? Are we bad with timely? We have some timely examples. Yeah, I love the timely portion of the SMART goals because I really value my time and I value others' time. And I feel like, when, like you said, when you don't set a timeline, things don't get done. And there's a reason for that because, you know, they're not important ultimately if you're not setting a time. And I mean, they might be important to you, but they're not important enough to make sure you accomplish by a certain day. And I feel like in everything in my life, I feel like I almost put a timeline to it. And part of that's because I like to be organized. Part of that is because I feel like I don't have a lot of time in the day. Danny, I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, And our listeners as well. Like there's just not a lot of time to do everything that you want to accomplish. And so I feel like if I do not put a timeline to my goals, they just will not happen. And part of it's because I get busy or part of it's because, you know, Maybe there's something more important that's going on at the time. But um, yeah, I definitely agree with this. And I feel like it's something that a lot of people struggle with. And like Danny said, I don't work well under pressure. So I cannot operate in the way of like just last minute trying to get my goals done. And I feel like when you rush your goals, you know, they're probably not going to be done the way you want them and they're not going to be reached in the way you want them to be. So I definitely identify with the timely and really appreciate this one as well. Yeah. And I think... As you were talking, I was looking back on our beautiful Google Doc with our list of smart goals all broken out. And I was like, you know, this is all great. And I think we've given some real examples, but, you know, and, and correct me if you have a different opinion on this, Naomi. I feel like the key to smart goals is just be honest with yourself. I think there's a different way to tackle each of these, right? Like that's what we'd have explored. You, you're, you're finished first specific, I'm break it apart specific, right? Um, you know, I'm a procrastinator, you're not a procrastinator. So we set deadlines accordingly and we organize our lists like achievable and measurable or re- achievable and realistic. It blends together and certain things are hard to measure, certain things are fine. Smart goals, they're great. It's a great way to talk about it in general. The real key, I think, to smart goals is just be honest. Like, yeah, I'm honest that I procrastinate. You know, I'm so bad at it. My boss probably will listen to this, but. I still get my work done because I'm honest about it and I schedule my life around it and I understand that about myself. And yes, I'm direly optimistic. I tend to lean towards unrealistic goals, but I can lean on achievable because I'm not about wasting my time. You know what I mean? I think that's the real thing that nobody talks about. It's like, yeah, every goal needs to be all five things. They're probably not going to be all five things. You're lucky if they're four of these things. But as long as you understand yourself well enough to really pick and choose and strategize around your goals and set them. That's the real keys is meditate a little bit, take your time, just be honest with yourself. Naomi, I don't know how you feel about that. That was a very hot take. You know, <laughs> my freshman intro to English teacher ever heard me say that. She ripped my degree out of my hands, but no, well, my degree would also be ripped away because I totally agree. And I think that it is important to, I mean, who knows you better than yourself? Ultimately, you know, when you set a goal, deep down, I feel like you know if it's going to happen or not. And if you're on the edge of it, you probably need to do a little bit more planning and how you're going to achieve it. And I think that the ultimate, like you said, the ultimate thing that you have to do is just be honest with yourself and know like, okay, um, I'm going to struggle with this one. So I need to set more hard deadlines. I need to set more realistic goals. I need to set more measurable goals. Knowing which of those factors that you need to focus on, I think is huge. I totally agree. I love the way you put it. Smart goals are amazing. If you haven't heard of them, I'd be shocked, but <laughs> hopefully Honest, smart Yes, yes. Hopefully we gave you some sort of um, some little nuggets. I feel like Danny had a lot of great analogies as usual. And also that tip about, you know, setting your list and figuring out what's important. So hopefully you got some nuggets from this. Danny, I want to hear about your rock setting. You alluded to it several times. So let's hear about that. I do want to talk about that, but I just realized what we should call the episode. In a, a picture, very thick Boston accent. SMART goals. Okay. S H M A T. We combine A and R and we add honest in there. And so it's S H 
M-A-T, SMART goals. And I think that's our hot or takeaway. You yes. write that down. <laughs> I looked weird typed out, but you guys get what I'm saying. SMART. SMART <laughs> goals. Um, yes, rock setting. Yes, I alluded to it a lot. Um, this is our... Another trend I think we'd like to start is like a weekly recommendation. Last last week was watch the movie or read the book Into the Wild. If you haven't done that, you're behind on your homework, kids. Let's get going. Uh, but so when I started Supply Kick, um, in my onboarding, they gave me a book called What the Heck is EOS, uh, which stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, and I won't get into all that, but it's basically the management structure and system we use at Supply Kick that flattens it out. Um, it's all about open communication, honesty between management and employees. It's about quarterly check-ins to really know what you do. Are you happy in your job? Do you seek value in what you do? How do we reposition? It gives you a lot of toolkits. It's written by, I have the book with me so we can actually quote a source this week, uh, Gina Wickman and uh, Tom Bauer, B-O-U-W-E-R. Um, and I love the book. I, I was an entrepreneurship major in college. Um, so I've always liked that outside of the box thinking, and it very much falls in with that. The big takeaway, I think, for this week, and I definitely recommend reading the whole book and even bringing it to your companies um, or just tweet me about it because I think it'd be a great thing to talk about, um, but is, is rock setting. The framework of the book, the way I've interpreted it is that companies need to set goals, right? And I structure these like mountains, your big goals. This year, we want to do X amount of sales, or we want to have this amount of GM, big, huge tasks that if you really say, okay, do that, everybody's going to look at you like, what on earth are you talking about, right? Um, and then we break it up into rocks. And you set rocks both for yourself and for your team quarterly. Uh, and it's a big meeting, and I love having it. I've only been in one, going to be honest, but it was a great time. Um, and you set more achievable quarterly goals that help you on your path. It's like when people say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's how do you climb your mountain goal? You climb one rock at a time. Um, and so I love that. I use that a lot in my own life, especially we talked about earlier when we talked about getting specific on goals is breaking things apart. You know, you want to be healthier. Well, that's a terrible goal to set. Let's break it up. Be honest with yourself. Make it achievable. Make it timely. All that stuff. But separate it into more attainable things um, that you can walk on your path up the mountain. So that's what I want to talk about. That's our recommendation of the week. What the heck is EOS? Um, shout out Supply Kick. Shout out, you know, Gino, Gino Wickman and Tom Bauer. But how do you feel about that, Naomi? Let's, you know, chatter back with me. I just ran Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, I think that this whole concept goes perfectly with how I set goals in the first place, you know, seeing the large goal and then needing to break it up into smaller goals to achieve it. I feel like just from, you know, how I am as a person, this matches really well. And um, I just think that it's great to have a visual to it and to, you know, picture, okay, what does your mountain look like and what rocks do you need to climb in order to get there? And I think that just, you know, as I, as I operate, it's a perfect analogy. And I feel like that it's a helpful um, tool that some people could use. And I need to read that book. So thanks for the wreck. You know, that'll be another book that I, maybe that'll be next month's book. First or, first or fellow listening to Slack Me gets to borrow my copy of the book. It's a very short read. I think it's like 170 pages. I read it in like two days. Um, and Naomi doesn't know about this, but I thought it'd spring it on her. Our next whole part of the segment is talking about personal goals. So Naomi, what is a personal goal? And let's break it into some rocks. I feel like that's the best way to get our listening audience rocking yeah. and rolling. Yeah, <laughs> rock and roll. Nice. You plan. are on the spot, ladies and gentlemen. The <laughs> clock has started. Start your engines. Oh well, I have lots of um, lots of goals in my life, but I do have a move coming up in about a month, which is looking like a mountain right now because I do live in an apartment currently, but I don't have a lot of my own furniture. And that's something that I need to tackle. And the moving part is is a mountain and a smaller rock within that mountain is getting furniture. Although I feel like that's about a mountain in itself because 
buying furniture is really hard. Um, it's expensive. And it's, it's not hard. Ex yes. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> it's hard to decide what you want. What I like also just so happens to be expensive. So it's just, you know, a big a big um, rock as it is. So um, that's one thing that I need to accomplish. And then. Okay. Well, I, I think you already broke that up to start. Look at you already mountain splitting because it was moving and then it was, okay, well, it's moving and getting all the furniture I need. Boom. First cut. All right. I like that. Um, this is a great subject. Moving sucks. I hate moving. Shout out Mark my dear sweet father who has helped me in every collegiate move I've ever made all the U-Hauls and Penske trucks and like third floory third floory third story third floor walk-up apartments that we used to move my butt into on a hot July day when it's like 100 degrees outside so I think I think just off the top of my head and, and maybe we'll split these up even more so we split it into two parts well I think your moving part I think you need to figure out what you're keeping, what you're leaving, and how much stuff you actually have. So like a little inventory status is how mm -hmm. I would. Um, I'm no expert, but I have made a lot of moves. And I think you need to figure out the game plan. So I think it's catalog and inventory. And I think your game plan is like, how do I move? Who's helping me? Do we hire people? That's what I recommend. Now that I make an income, never moving myself ever again. I'm going to hire two men in a truck every time. Um, Please, dear God, my father's back will probably go out. So if I can move anymore. Um, and then splitting up the furniture stuff is tough. I think I just moved with the bare minimums and then like really felt my space out before I bought my stuff. Mm -hmm. Also, I, so, furniture is so expensive. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And also right now, a lot of like, it's gonna, it, a lot of like couches for some reason are backordered for months. And so it's just like a process to get a lot of furniture currently. I feel grateful because I don't have a lot of furniture, but also like I don't have to move a lot, but also I have to buy a lot. So it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, it's not really a win, but from a perspective of moving, it will be easier. But for my wallet, not so much. So, but yes, I have a little bit to figure out in the aspect of how I'm going to do it. I moved every year in college and literally I've moved every year for now it will be four years of moving or five years of moving. So it's like literally every year I've moved for the last several years. So I feel you moving sucks. We'll get through it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And word of warning, I'm sure you know this. I'm sure our listening audience knows that Every time I move, I feel like it's like, oh, we only have a certain amount of stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then I move or I start boxing stuff up. Oh, my Lord, I have so much stuff that I'm like, why on earth did you keep this? What is the point of this, like, random kebabble thing, whatever? Why do we have this eight decks of cards that are all missing cards? Why did we keep these? What was the point, Danny? And I threw out so much stuff when I left my college apartment, like bags worth. And luckily I lived on the third floor and there was a little roof patch we could go out of. And I literally threw bags of trash off my roof into a dumpster because I didn't feel like carrying them down. That was a really, really good time. Um, but holy cow, you always have more stuff than you think you do. Mm -hmm. so yeah. Start early. The, the move rock. Timely. Let's get going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're about a month away, and so I will be this the rest of this month. I'll be just all about moving and all about buying furniture. Unfortunately for me, gotcha. Hey, I totally understand that. Um, I think that that's a good rock. Moving's tough. Apartment hunting's tough. Oh, what a struggle! Thank goodness, man. Otherwise, our podcasting jobs would be too hard. <laughs> all this juicy content to talk about. Um, any other goals? Any, anything else worth mentioning, worth noting? No, let's hear yours. Oh, see, I was trying to stall there because I forgot to think of something. <laughs> now you're on um, the spot. <laughs> now I'm on the spot, yes. I want to get better at networking outside of just putting people on my LinkedIn. I feel like I don't connect enough. I don't actively post. There's an Orfellow, Naomi, I'm sure you're familiar, called Nate Spangle, who's like very good about like actively posting and like reaching out with people and connecting back and like truly like developing a network. And I feel like I don't, I have those connections. I don't tap on them. I don't network well enough. 
that definitely needs to be an episode. Add that to the list of of necessary things to talk about. But yeah, I think networking for me is something I want to work on um, and just really like developing a professional network that's a little bit more than just like, oh yeah, we had a class together in college and oh, I was a co-op and you were at the this company and blah, 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 blah. I don't do that well enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you already, you know, because you're aware of it, I feel like that's, you know, the first part of the battle. Also, I do feel like, you know, you got to give yourself a little credit because to be fair, COVID has kind of put a wrench in the whole networking thing, at least in person. So, you know, as we talked about having grace with ourselves earlier in the episode, I feel like you can give yourself a little bit of grace in that aspect. But I do think that, um, you know, we do have a pretty large network. We've got a lot. I mean, just working at a company, it's like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, so-and-so and and all these people and you're in Indianapolis and the network is just, it's huge, but it's small. You know, it's like everyone knows everyone, but it's also a large network. So there's a lot to tap into. Maybe get a coffee with Nate and see if he can give you some pointers. (laughs) I heard he, I heard a rumor and Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, but he writes down everyone he connects with We'll have to, he'll be a podcast guest yeah. for sure. He writes on everyone he connects with or that like reaches out to him or he has a favor. And then at Christmas time or on certain holidays, he sends them, now I'm exposing the secrets. I didn't mean to do this, but I think it's really cool. He sends them like a $5 Starbucks gift card and it's like a catch up. Thank you. Thanks for connecting. I hope you're well. Like if you ever need anything, email. And I was like, that's so brilliant. Like and people are like, oh, you didn't have to do that. And it's like, but it's so much more impactful than an email and more considerate and just like a good way to go about it. So that's how I'm going to model. We're definitely we're adding that to the list. Maybe that'll be next yeah. next month. Who knows? Who knows? But we'll get we'll get Spangle in here to talk about his wizarding ways and some other people because I think that's a big topic that. Like you hear about it in college all the time. I had so many classes freshman. It's like, you gotta grow your network, like trim up your LinkedIn. And then it's like, cool, now I have LinkedIn with 500 connections and I care about 40 of them. Like, cool, my uncle's real estate agent is hitting me up to talk about blah, blah, blah. It's like, come on. All right, let's get serious a little bit. So who knows? But <laughs> that's, that's my big personal goal. Well, that sounds like a great goal. I feel like I could probably um, also get better in that department as well. Um, not super active, but you know, I try to try to keep up my LinkedIn so at least it's accurate. But definitely not super active on it. But I could I could definitely be better too. So somewhere we can all improve, I'm sure. Well, I think that wraps the content. Thanks for joining us, Naomi. Uh, you know, send us out of here. Yeah, let's Business go. This has concluded. Go. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you for joining us today on another episode. Um, We hope you kind of have a good idea of what to expect from Overdressed and Underqualified. And we hope that you're excited to continue listening. And we will see you next time. And let's hope we're all just a little more qualified. Thanks, everyone.